find ways to express the needs or the fears connected to those needs underneath what's going on. And what's especially important is also to not not just putting in all the energy and effort into finding ways to express to your partner, but also really getting attuned for when your partner is expressing their vulnerability as well. And really taking care in those moments to avoid playing your role in the pursuit withdrawal pattern. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about pursuit and withdrawal, a common push-and-pull pattern that can show up in the way that you and your partner handle conflict. So today we're going to talk about how the pursuing partners behave, how withdrawing partners behave, and how you too can break out of this pattern. And you can, you, you too, too can win Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> I just thought like you too could prevent forest fires. I'm also oh. over here. Unfortunately, none of you can see it anymore, but I was pushing and pulling. Oh, yeah. Like, in the video. I saw your interpretive dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was helpful. Yeah, it was good. That was helpful. So a family member of mine, once upon a time, kind of talked to me about this pursuit and uh, withdrawal and like the pursuer and the pursued thing. Um, And they said like, well, in my relationships that I've had, I've usually been the one pursuing, but in this current one that I have, I am the pursued one. And you know what? It's working out well for me. And I think that, you know, this is the person that I'm going to end up with, which I thought was really odd and kind of sad. And I don't think that that narrative like always has to be there by any means or always is there. I think people can, you know, exist, coexist in a in a healthy manner. But I, I do think that that narrative is out there that like in any relationship that you have, You're going to have someone who's pursuing and someone who is being pursued, and that's just how it is. So I will say that when I first started looking into pursuit and withdrawal patterns, I initially thought that it was just that, this idea um, that there's always one person, essentially, that there's always one person who's like more into their partner than their partner is into them. And so they're always going to be the one fawning on them and trying to get closer to them and trying to, you know, escalate the relationship with them. And then the other partner, the one who's pursued is the one who has the power and can be aloof and standoffish. And that's just how it's always going to be. And I always, hated that story. Um, Mm -hmm. even though it's like, yeah, I can see that in certain relationships, but I really didn't like the idea of it being this weird binary binary and kind of just this very, um, what, I guess this kind of like fatalistic sense of, of like relationships are just always going to suck. Um, yeah, or like someone's always going to have the upper hand and someone's going to have the lower hand. Yeah. And like, so what the hell is that? Well, I wanted to address that story first and get it out of the way so that our listeners know we're not talking about that. Um, like, I don't really believe I think that it's a toxic dynamic that can come up. Yes. But I don't think that that's something that's just inherent to every relationship that there's always going to be one person who's 
essentially just more emotionally invested than the other person is. Um, mm. Now, what we're talking about today are patterns of pursuit and withdrawal, particularly in the way that a couple or you and your partner might handle conflict. There are many different patterns and especially like unhealthy patterns that people can fall into. This is just one of them. Um, and the best way that I can think of to start out is to have a radio drama. Uh, oh, Oh, Yay. oh, okay. 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 Will you be my... I really like how you wrote this, too. <laughs> All right, let's really play it up. Come on. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, will the two of you be my radio drama actors? Yeah, Maybe are you, you going to do, like, um, the sound hmm. effects and... I'll, so, I'll definitely set the scene. I'll set the scene. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, so we're going to start out. Uh, there's a couple, and they're in bed. Uh but it's not like sexy bedtime. It's like normal bedtime. Like, mm, okay. you know, in bed, one of them's reading a book. One of them's looking at their phone. It's been silent for a little Yeesh. while. And then Emily puts down her phone and turns to Jace. Wait. The other way around. What? You have me as the oh, green one. Uh, dang it. I wrote the script myself. Um, okay. <laughs> Jace puts down his phone, turns to Emily Takes a deep breath. Hey, is it okay to talk about our relationship for a minute? That sounds foreboding. I just feel like we've been a little disconnected lately. Do we have to talk about this right now? When else are we going to talk about it? We both are working all the time, and right now is our only time to talk. Yeah, so why can't we just use this time to relax? This feels like it came out of nowhere. It's been going on for a long time. We don't really spend time together anymore. Do you not think that's a problem? But we're around each other all the time. I don't know what you want me to do. And, and scene. scene. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll accept my, what is it? The Pulitzer Prize? Anytime sure, yeah. you like. Okay. Uh, so... In that little interaction, who was withdrawing? Who was pursuing? How were they doing it? I was withdrawing. You were withdrawing? You were withdrawing. withdrawal or withdraw? Withdrawing, not withdrawing. Withdrawing. So withdrawal is like if you're, you know, with if you're an alcoholic and you're having withdrawals. Well, yeah, withdrawal is the noun. Yeah, it's just that it's the noun. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like you have Got withdraw it. symptoms or you're going through withdrawal. Same same thing where it's like one's a verb and one's a noun. Mm -hmm. But you can't withdrawing. I no, don't think so. No. no. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was the one pursuing there. Mm -hmm. And what were the ways, like what were your tactics for doing your respective withdrawing and pursuing? Boy, I mean, you know, I was trying to, trying to talk, trying to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And then as I was getting resistance was like, well, then it's now it's a conflict. But either way, it's like, I, I want to connect no matter the cost. Right, right. And Emily, what was your withdrawal pattern or tactics there? Um, I wanted to relax and just like enjoy myself with my partner instead of like focusing on the situation. I talked about how like, oh, this came out of nowhere. So I don't know. It, it was basically deflecting. Mm, and then mm -hmm. also deflecting and saying essentially kind of negating their experience and saying like, well, we're around each other all the time. Like, what else do you want from me sort of thing? So, right. you know, mm. we do spend time together. We're always together. Right. Yeah. When clearly he wanted something. It's almost like switch tracking. 
We were like a little bit of switch tracking there. Yeah, a little bit of switch tracking for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so I've definitely been in this conversation so many times with a partner. Um, I think Are you usually me? Well, yes, but we will get to that a little bit better this a little bit later in the episode because sometimes it's not always easy to predict or to be able to tell. Um, I agree. Which I've been role both you at times? Yes, mm, exactly. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk about how this particular pursue and withdraw pattern even begins. And generally, what tends to lie underneath this pattern is that one partner is seeking some kind of closeness or connection. Um, or it can happen if both partners do want closeness and connection, but there's maybe a perceived disconnect or one person feels like the other partner's not going to come through when they request that kind of connection or closeness. And so this pursue withdraw pattern, um, it's frequently examined in what's known as EFT or emotionally focused therapy, which happens to be something that I'm studying right now, um, mm. which was developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. If people want to know more about EFT or about these kind of patterns, um, her most famous book is called Hold Me Tight. Um, it's recommended a lot. Um, so that's kind of the basis behind these things is this idea that like someone is seeking connection the other person may not be there for them in that connection. And now that sounds all fine and good, but the thing is that like, obviously I think from that little radio drama that we did, it didn't maybe seem obvious at first of like, oh, I just want closeness or I just want intimacy with you. That sometimes it could be, um, it could come in the form of someone, you know, your partner approaching you about putting the dishes away or about, we need to have a conversation about scheduling something. It like, it can be, on these different levels and it's not always just obvious on the surface. Mm. And it's not always okay. just like, Hey, I want to have a serious talk. Exactly. It's or not like, always, I want to have a serious talk. It's not always, Hey, I want to be close to you. That sometimes it can be a little bit uh, more subtle than that. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. If we look into both pursuit and withdrawal, we should kind of like dive into each of them a little bit further. So, okay. What does pursuit look like? So there are common pursuing behaviors. Um, there's a few of these. There's a list. So I'm just going to dive into that. Uh, one of the behaviors is a hyper-focusing on a particular issue or disagreement. I guess like in that uh, scenario that we did, it was sort of on, you know, oh, well, we, I don't feel like we see each other or we don't like our time that we spend together doesn't really mean what I want it to mean, or I don't feel like you're really engaged with me. Mm -hmm. um, insistence on talking out an issue to the bitter end. Ooh, I, mm. I definitely do that. Yikes. Yeah. 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 That's a tough one because I think also like Jason, I tend to be spewers a lot. Um, and we want to like, you know, have an entire conversation regarding something and at times, like, I should probably just halt and, like, assess something and maybe take a minute before I just, like, say whatever's on my mind. Well, I think those two behaviors, like hyper-focusing on a particular issue combined with insisting on talking out every single avenue and factor and facet of this issue, I think they go hand in hand because often mm -hmm. with pursuers, it can also be in their mind that they find, I can't just put this to the side, like, my mind is occupied trying to think about this thing and solve this thing and so I need to engage my partner also in that process of thinking about this from every angle and trying to solve it through talking, which can end up being a little bit overwhelming to the withdrawing partner. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Um, so pursuing people might call and text more frequently, might get in a scenario where you're, you know, texting multiple times a day, asking for reassurance multiple times a day, things like that. I uh, also literally, literally pursuing a partner who is attempting to leave the room or the space. So someone's in flight and you are going after them. I uh, pursuing behavior might include things like demands or blame or finger pointing. Also, even things like increasing the volume of your voice. That one sometimes I, I get into as well. Not that I'm like in a shouting match, but just that like I tend to get really like heightened in the thing that I talk about, which is interesting that that's on here, that it it's a pursuing behavior. Right. And so, so sometimes, at least in my observations of this, that it can look like the ones who are the pursuers are the ones who often, it seems like they're the ones who escalate the conflict. Now, yeah, or it, passionate or whatever. Yeah, or more passionate yeah. or kind of driving more of the conversation. In reality, I think both of these behaviors can serve to escalate the conflict. Um, but I think from an outside observer, it can seem like, okay, well, this is the person who is raising their voice or who is bringing in demands mm. or who is like asking all these countless questions. So they seem like they're the ones who's uh, escalating the conflict. Yeah, that's really interesting because I feel like your point about, you know, kind of from the outside, if you weren't really paying attention to what they were saying, you could see that. And I think that oftentimes the, the withdrawn person can point to that and then turn around and blame themselves and be like, you're always the one turning things into fights. Mm. When, if mm -hmm. you look at like the, the dialogue that Emily and I acted out earlier, another person could come and look at that and be like, wow, Emily's character was being a real jerk and just like totally, you know, being the one who essentially made it into a fight instead of like just by a shutting, conversation, by shutting, by shutting down, down yeah. and not yeah. being willing to engage. So it is really interesting that, that, kind of from a different point of view, either side can think, oh, I'm so obviously the good guy because I'm trying to connect. Or the other one being like, I'm obviously the good guy because they're the one escalating this into a fight when I'm just trying to have a nice time with them. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. And so, so that's definitely something uh, for our listeners is I don't want anyone to start putting labels of like good or bad on either of these because there isn't like these things are kind of like pursuing behaviors and withdrawing behaviors are kind of locked in a symbiosis as it were. And we will dive a little bit more deeply into that later on. Got it. So, so continuing though with pursuing. Um, so those were some of the pursuing behaviors that Emily mentioned. And so the reasons why a pursuer might do that is something like, they have this internal belief or an internal model, if you will, of, I need to know my partner cares and talking about it is the only way to show that is mm -hmm. the only way to get that. Um, something else like any connections better than no connection, which is yeah. like, it's okay to start a fight because at least we're connecting. Mm -hmm. um, at it, least I'm like getting your attention right. when I'm escalating or when I'm raising my voice or, or leveling demands or things like that. Right. Um, that it's up to me to solve this and make this work. Like I'm the only one putting in work here, so I have to do it or else we'll fall apart. Um, if I can just connect to you, then I'll feel better. Uh, so it's like all of this comes down to that the pursuer is seeking connection or closeness or to feel seen or feel heard, feel connected with their partner. That's mm -hmm. kind of the 
the core of where it's coming from. Right. So to give like a real world example of this, and I'm sure all of us could share times where we felt like more of the pursuer. Um, but an example of this that I've observed is like, for instance, you have a couple and one person is really upset that like, hey, I asked you weeks ago to like put this back into the garage because it's too heavy for me to lift and you still haven't done it. And like, like, why haven't you done this? And so there's a pursuit right there of already kind of escalating mm-hmm. and maybe going a little bit on the attack. Um, and even though it's like we hear that and, res- and it's like that doesn't seem like that's a desire for connection or a desire for closeness, but it really can be because underneath it, it can be the sense of like, I am really desiring to feel like you care about me and that you care about taking care of like the home that we're building together and that you care about helping me out when I can't take care of myself. And so it's this idea of like, I can still connect to you even when I'm mad to mad at you, um, essentially. And I can kind of, um, you know, use that anger as kind of like the fuel that's driving my desire for connection. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Yeah. What about the two of you? Have you had experience feeling like the more pursuing partner? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think it just can look like, I mean, that question that in in this kind of goes back to attachment styles sometimes, sometimes as well. Just the idea that like, I feel as though my partner is not uh, wanting to engage with me or disconnecting in certain ways. And so that ramps up my anxiety and causes me to want to go after them or even, you know, to say things like, I really feel like you don't care about me right now. Or, or you just, uh, you're acting as though you're not interested in me or you are disengaging from me. You don't, you're not like touching me as much as often as you usually do or whatever. And all of those things. Yeah can kind of cause you to to want to go towards your partner and then sometimes feel like they're disengaging from you. Yeah, definitely or, or for me it's it's often been the sense of I like I feel like my partner is just self-absorbed and they're not concerned about what mm. my experience in this space is or that my experience in our life together is is just like, and it, and then it, then it can kind of snowball into like any little thing. It's like if they don't grab uh, two napkins when they go up to get one, when we're at the restaurant or something, it's like, Oh, see, like they just don't care. Mm. They're not even thinking about me. I don't matter to them at all. Yeah. And so then it can lead to that. Mad at at me over napkins a number of times in the past. Yeah. That's what I was trying (laughs) to bring up some real life (laughs) life examples here. Some napkin triggers here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's funny talking about this. It reminds me of some comedian. I forget who it was years ago, but some comedian was talking about his childhood. And he was saying like, when I was growing up, my mom was a screamer and a screamer is someone that you don't pay any attention to. And kind of this idea of like, because the person who's raising their voice feels like they're not being heard, they feel compelled to raise their voice more, which probably compels the person who's listening to them to check out more to protect themselves. And it just becomes this escalating pattern. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It goes like round and round and round. Yeah, definitely. So that's (laughs) pursuit, trivial pursuit. As it were. I'd say it's not so trivial, Dedeker. It's a very important pursuit, definitely. So let's look... What does trivial withdrawal look like? Well, Or very important withdrawal? I don't know. Um, 
Yeah. So in contrast to the pursuer, on the other side tends to be the partner who's more likely to withdraw. And the common withdrawing behaviors includes things like not listening or not responding, um, becoming unresponsive, not talking, getting really, really quiet, or just not saying anything at all. They may avoid eye contact. The withdrawer may have more closed body language, such as arms crossed across the chest or legs crossed, or maybe even curled up, or maybe even just they're they're, turned away away from the person that's speaking to them. They may straight up exit the room or the space, um, whether that's just, or they may just kind of try to put distance between themselves and their partner. Um, So it could be as simple as, as just like physically they go to as far away in the room as they possibly can before they hit a wall. Um, Or it can be they straight up leave. Like they're the kind of person who just like leaves the house and is gone for two hours or whatever. Um, Or the withdrawer may either shut down the conversation or put off the conversation. So like we saw in our little radio drama, it could be things either shutting down of like, I don't think this is actually a problem. Like your concerns are not real, um, you know, or like, or like, what are you talking about? I'm with you all the time. It's not really a problem or putting it off. Like the sense of like, why do we have to talk about this now? Can we find a different time to talk about this? Um, you know, I don't want to spend my time talking about this right now. And I think that gets a little bit tricky because the fact that, of course, we encourage people to halt. We encourage people to have radars. We encourage people to be intentional about like how and when and what context they choose to have difficult conversations in. And it can be tricky to tell the difference between what is trying to be intentional and being like, hey, right now when we're like really sleepy and maybe we've been drinking and we're tired is not the best time to talk about this versus what is a withdrawal tactic of just really kind of trying to perpetually put off or avoid having some kind of uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. So there are many reasons why we withdraw uh, why maybe, and it's interesting because I do think that sometimes we go back and forth in these two roles, like even within the same relationship. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I, I feel like I tend towards one over the other, but I definitely know that I've done both. Um, so some or your internal model with withdrawing might be that if you put yourself out there or if I show myself, my partner is going to blame, criticize or abandon me. So you might rather be alone than be in pain. You might uh, say to yourself, if my partner were more calm and safe, then I could connect and get close. But they seem to like blow up every time we Mm -hmm. talk about something. So I'm just not even going to go there. Uh, You might tell yourself, like, even when I try to get closer to my partner, it's never enough. Uh, They seem to have this like insatiable desire or need for something that I just clearly can't give them. Uh, and honestly, like withdrawers often care quite a bit, but they shut down in order to preserve the relationship or, you know, do even self-preservation at that point. And ultimately, the withdrawer wants to feel safe and stable and withdraws in order to preserve the stability of the relationship. So to the two of you, yeah. do you feel like, I guess Emily was kind of saying that, that there have been times where you've been the withdrawer, the, the withdrawal person? <laughs> Yeah, I do think so. I think especially like in moments where I'm a little caught off guard by my by my uh 
partner saying like, well, I feel as though I'm not getting as much time with you as I want, or I feel as though like there's an issue right now that's happening. And then I'm kind of like, wait, what? (laughs) You know? And, and sometimes in those instances, I'll be like, calm down. Like what is going on? Instead of actually saying like, what do you actually think the problem is? And let's talk about this kind of thing. So I know that in the past and something that I need to work on and look at is uh, that I will at times like deflect if that isn't my uh, idea of what the situation actually is. Yeah, for me, this is definitely me at least 90% of the time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It's pretty much my MO in most of my life is a lot of withdrawal like, and avoidance. Eh, like, right. I'm very much, uh, I'm going to hang out just in the back corner of my little cave. Bye. And that's my survival tactic <laughs> for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so withdrawal, it's interesting because a lot of people where withdrawal is kind of their fallback, um, there is kind of this sense of like, if I stick around and if I actually show my partner who I am and what my feelings are, they're going to reject me or attack me or criticize me or whatever. But it's often the yeah. sense of like, I can't really open up here because you would see that I'm really unlovable and, and really not worthy of you. And then the relationship would fall apart. And so I need to, to retreat before you get a chance to see that. And that can be so frustrating for the pursuing partner because that can look like you don't actually care. (laughs) You're not actually invested. And whether that's retreating or, or if it's even something like the avoiding eye contact or not being really emotional, that it it can seem like this person really doesn't care when maybe on the inside, the withdrawer does, they're just like scared shitless to actually show, show it. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of what's so interesting about this, and like we were talking about before with it's not about a good guy and a bad guy type of thing, but here is just pointing out that the withdrawing party also can care a lot, usually does care a lot about the relationship, but to them, withdrawing is the way to preserve it. Mm -hmm. Like, again, to go back to our little radio drama from earlier that, you know, Emily's character is like, can't we just use this time to relax? Or essentially saying like, yeah, we should like, time together is important. Let's spend it enjoying it instead of having this conversation. (laughs) You know, to that person, it is like, no, I, yeah, I want the same thing. But it feels like we want it in such different ways that like, you can't reconcile that. Right. And so it ends up leading to fights and and things like that. It is really interesting because... I know for me, it's easier to put the withdrawing person kind of into this like, oh, well, they're the one who cares less, which Mm -hmm. then goes back to the idea we were talking about before about power, Mm. where it's like whoever cares less has more power. Interesting. Yeah. Right. So that's it's it kind of leads down this slippery slope. So I really appreciate that part of this model is acknowledging the fact that both parties probably do care a lot. Oh yeah, most definitely. And and also I think acknowledging the way that it's so easy to write it off, like the withdrawing partner, it'd be so easy to write off as like, oh, they're checked out or they don't care or they're not mm. invested. And I think with the pursuing partner, it's really easy to write them off as just like, oh, they're really needy yeah. or they're really confrontational or they just need to chill or right. whatever, you know? And I've definitely, good Lord, I mean, in my, in my relationships, applied that kind of judgment to my partner, mm. regardless of which side of the fence I was on that it's it's really easy to kind of write someone off in that way 
For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So looking at this pattern, I kind of want to zoom out a little bit and get a little bit of more of a bigger picture kind of view on what's going on here. Because um, first of all, uh, just to clarify, like this pattern can be something that shows up in very subtle, minuscule ways, or it can be something that you get stuck in for your entire relationship for several, several years. And this just kind of dominates the way that you relate to each other. But there's kind of a general like meta pattern or like there's major steps to how this pattern happens over time in relationships and why it can be something that gets so sticky essentially over time. Okay, so step one is... We want connection, acceptance, affection, love, and fulfillment. It's great. Yeah, that's great. We both want that. Why else would you be in the relationship? That's what you're here for. Yeah. Yeah. So we start out from this very positive place of wanting to connect to each other. And then we get afraid in some way. Either there's some kind of past trauma that something reminds us of, or our partner does something that makes us feel a little bit less likely to be vulnerable, makes us feel a little bit more insecure, or any other emotional roadblock. Like basically something happens where we don't feel totally secure reaching out to our partner for connection, acceptance, affection, love, fulfillment, all those things. So then we withdraw or we pursue to try to seek comfort or to preserve the peace. Mm-hmm. And then step four, we get stuck in the pattern and we just kind of see past each other or hear past each other, right? This is kind of the switch tracking, nickel, yeah. nickelbacking that uh, we talked about before. And uh, it becomes easier to focus on the slammed door or the passive aggressive comment or the way you walked away from me or the way you yelled at me about this thing out of nowhere, that it becomes easier to focus on those things instead of on the connection that's where you started this from. 
Right. Sounds and like a country song, The Way You Walked Away From Me. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, we should write good. that one. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. dramatic. Well, you're, the, you're the composer. No, boy. Okay. I'll get and on And you've that. been in some country bands. I've been in a lot of country okay, bands. You're the most qualified of all of us <laughs> to write this country song. Okay. All right. I'll get to work on okay. it. Okay. Good. And so ultimately where this leaves us is we end up not seeing the actual problems in the relationship. Like we lose sight of the fact that like this all started because we wanted to feel safe with each other. We wanted to feel connected with each other. And now we've completely lost focus of what's actually going on. And we're stuck in this kind of dance that neither of us can get out of because we, you know, the withdrawer triggers the pursuer and the pursuer triggers the withdrawer. And then we're just kind of stuck in there and then things don't actually get resolved. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when, when all of this happens, what the hell do you do? You need to break the cycle. You need to like bust that cycle wide open. So, okay. As Dedeker said before, there really is no good or bad here because honestly, like the pursuer will be pursuing because the partner withdraws and the withdrawer withdraws because their partner pursues. So it's just a cyclical sad patterned cycle that we get into. And often it's really hard to disengage ourselves from that. And it's the kind of thing where uh, that's so important to see because it's so easy to only see your partner's side of it. It's so easy to just end up in this place of like, well, my partner is just constantly haranguing me and he's so needy and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't see the things that I do, you know, for the relationship that, that, you know, that he doesn't see the effort that I do make. And so it's not worth it for me to make the effort. And it can be really easy to just focus on like, oh, the problem is because my partner's a pursuer um, or, oh, the problem is because my partner just withdraws from me and just retreats and just runs away from conflict when it's like, no, it's, it really is a situation of it takes two to tango, you know? Yeah. yeah this, this reminds me of just a really, in my opinion, a very sad story that, that I witnessed with uh, some people close to me where there was definitely this dynamic of the pursuer and the withdrawn one for many years, um, you know, where, where she would kind of reach out wanting to do things that to her were connection, you know, activities to do together, things like that. And he tended to just be like, no, let's just enjoy our, time now or just like, Oh, let's not talk about this. Or like, why are you trying to rock the boat? Why are you trying to change things? And over many years, this got to the point where she was just so sick of feeling like he didn't care that then she checked out. And then as soon as that happened, he started to be the one who pursued because he did want connection all along. But by that point, now she was completely shutting him down because she didn't care anymore mm. because not not now at this point not because she's withdrawing in this way but because she's actually just nope i'm checked out of this yeah. but it, it just felt like such a switch where all of a sudden he'd be the one coming with like what if we did this thing or did that and she's just like why would we do that like we don't you know and it was just really honestly really sad to watch because this took place over 20 something years too so that's whoa a lot of someone's life to go through that kind of of thing you know yeah and that's something that they do point out like you know like books about like EFT and stuff like that and like researchers in EFT do point out that often that is something that happens that when this pattern goes unchecked for long enough that eventually the pursuer will get burnt out and will give up 
Mm-hmm. And then you're stuck in something that's arguably worse, which is just both of you withdrawing, essentially. Mm. And both of you, you know, it's like you don't like there's actually this um, phenomenon where it's like you don't have a ton of conflict, but it's because you both withdraw from conflict right away. And like you just don't even end up communicating mm. because both of you have given up on the sense of of being able to actually connect and actually resolve things. And especially the pursuer, Jeez. if they're really burnt on always being the one who is carrying the burden of like rolling the conversation forward and making sure we're talking about things. And they were the one always trying to pursue this connection with their partner after that's not met for long enough, then they just run out of gas. Mm. And then yeah. usually, usually that's imminent that like the relationship is going to be like dead on arrival in not yeah. too much time. And we've definitely seen relationships like that. And it is very sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to, just to clarify that this has nothing to do with extroversion and introversion. Um, that you can be extroverted and still be the one who's withdrawing and you can be introverted and still be the pursuer that this isn't, it's not about like an energy level or a general personality trait. It's it. And I think that's why we each have experienced being in one role or the other. And I definitely know in some relationships I've been one more one or more the other, but even within the same relationship, it definitely can switch back and forth. Well, here's my question for you, because we talked about chewing and spewing earlier in the episode. And as I've been researching all of this, I have had that question of like, huh, is it related to chewing and spewing? And and for those of you who have not been with us from the very ancient beginnings of multi-amory, just a quick explanation of chewing and spewing. <laughs> um, that chewers are people who tend to do more internal processing. So as in if something upsetting happens or a disagreement happens and yes, Emily's pointing to me, it is me. I am a chewer, chewer, chewer and proud. So don't give me no guff. Um, Chewing since 1987. (laughs) Happily chewing. Um, But you know, someone who is more of an internal processor, they really need time to think over things. They really want time to be able to process internally. And then like, before they say something, for instance, they want to make sure that they're saying exactly the right thing versus spewers who are people who tend to do more external processing and pointing at both Emily and Jace right mm-hmm. now, um, where part of how they understand what happened is to talk through it and to kind of think out loud and kind of have that processing happen, maybe with their partner there with someone listening to them. And I'm wondering, do you think it's related or do you think that could you be a spewer, but then still be a withdrawer? And could you be a chewer, but then also a pursuer? Or do you think that there'd be one more and more likely than the other? I definitely tend more towards being the pursuer. So, but there are moments where I've been, you know, not pursuant and where I've decided to withdraw, even though I do chew a lot. And I think that the withdrawing tends to come sometimes when, as you just said, like when there's a, a sense of like being fed up or a sense even sometimes of be, of feeling like, oh, the relationship is going in the direction that I want, so I don't need to pursue. And then all of a sudden my partner pursues and I'm like, Whoa, mm-hmm. I thought everything was fine. What's mm-hmm. happening now? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. It is like, I think a self preservation model, this pattern clearly. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I feel like, you know, I definitely identify as a spewer where it's like, if I'm trying to figure out how I feel about something, I would rather talk about it out loud than just kind of sit by myself and mull it over. But I feel like, 
I definitely like can think of a lot of times where I've been more in the withdrawn role here. Um, I don't know if that's been just like at certain points or if that's ever sort of defined a whole relationship, but I definitely like, I I feel like I can relate so strongly to both sides of this that it makes me think that it must not be something where it's like, no, I'm clearly just a pursuer because I'm a spewer. Well, that, okay. I mean, that leads us to the next point, which is the fact that it's really helpful to, first of all, you know, in order to be able to break out of this pattern is to first be aware of it and identify what role you tend to play, but that may change for you over time, or it can change based on the relationship. It can change depending on who your partner is. It can change with different topics. I think that was the big thing that yeah. I realized is because I'm like, yeah, I think most of the time I'm, I'm uh, you know, a withdrawer. But then when I was reading through the pursuing behaviors, I was like, well, I've definitely done this to partners in the past. And then that was interesting to take this mental inventory of like, huh, what was the topic about what was going on and being like, oh, no, I totally have been a pursuer many times in the past. It just kind of depends on like what the topic's actually about. Mm. Can you think of any any examples of that, of of certain topics that have been really different from others. I'm trying to rack my brain right now to see if I could identify any patterns for y- myself. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, like the most recent example I can think of was like an argument that I had with my partner, Alex, when I was in Singapore a few months back and I won't get into like the details of it, but I think what the trigger for me was, was that I was worried that he was upset with me for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I went into full pursuit mode, like full pursuit of like reassurance Uh, that either that he's not mad or reassurance that like I can do something about it or or even trying to get him to tell me, is there a problem? If you think there's a problem, what should I do about it? If you think I should do something about it, like what could I try? Like just full on pursuit mode there of and I think that that's happened to me also before with partners of like if I suspect that it's like someone's mad at me and then maybe they're not telling me that seems to be the deathly combo that really triggers my pursuit mm. demons. I don't, I don't want to yeah. call them demons. My, my pursuit <laughs> instincts, I suppose. Yeah. Now that's a really interesting example. What about yeah, you? For sure. Do you have any that it, I, I know I can't like specifically think of them except for, you mean like when you would have withdrawn or my, it is the withdraw, the withdrawing comes when I feel like we've talked about an issue and it like, you know, goes, well, we speak about it. I feel like we've had a meeting of the minds and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, it comes back up like a week or two weeks later, mm. then I'm just like, oh, okay, why are we still talking about this? I think that that tends to be when I withdraw um, yeah, cause because yeah. I want to yeah. like have an emotional experience and then move on, mm. you know what I mean? Instead of like holding on to that, uh, intense emotion for a long period of time. Yeah. Well, I think that can be related to, cause with withdrawers, there can be this sense of like, you know, whatever I do, it's not enough or kind of this sense of like, Oh, is this coming back up again? That means they're going to be disappointed in me again. And it's just going to be painful to have to sit through this again. And so it's just easier to withdraw. I wonder if it's like that for you, Emily. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess also reliving like the, the thing that I did wrong or the thing that happened and just being like, what I really thought that we were done here. And then yet it's coming up again and having to relive that is challenging. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, as I'm, as I'm thinking through this, I, I feel like I'm actually coming up with a better example of how it can really vary by the circumstances of a relationship. And I'm thinking specifically of when it comes to like being social or doing social events that as a form of kind of connecting to each other, when I'm with Dedeker, who's like the most introverted of introverts, <laughs> um, that I feel like sometimes I'm the one like, Hey, let's, let's do social things. Let's like be out in the world together. And that's a cool way to connect and an experience to have. And like, we can make more friends together and things like that, that I'm kind of and the, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the one sort of pursuing, or, or at least feels like I'm pursuing, even if maybe I actually only suggest that once every two months compared to Dedeker, that feels like a lot. Right. Mm. Whereas in my relationship with Caitlin, who's a very extroverted and very, you know, social person, um, I feel like sometimes I'm the one who's like, but can't we just like enjoy the time that we have? Or like, mm. it's more fun just hanging out and watching Netflix. <laughs> right. So it's, right? it's <laughs> and so it, it has been really interesting for me to observe myself in that. And luckily I, I think I'm, I'm aware enough of that, that I'm not just like super withdrawing or super pursuing, but have kind of tried to meet both of you where you are. Mm. Um, but mm. it, it has been really interesting to see how different at least that first reaction that I have is just, just because of that, like the, the, how I fall somewhere in the middle between the introversion and extroversion of the two of you. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So in order to try to figure out kind of what your role is in this pattern, it might be helpful to like literally write a script like Dedeker did with us earlier, or maybe draw like a diagram of the usual pattern that you and your partner take during arguments. Um, and kind of just try to talk about this pattern on a more meta level. Don't like add a lot of emotion to it. Just be like, Hey, like I see that I like continually do this. I, I keep seeming to kind of go towards you. And I feel as though you're, you're seeming to kind of withdraw in these moments. Like, can we talk about that? And maybe some of the reasons as to why that is. Yeah, I was reading an example, actually. So so I think this exercise is good in the context of a radar or something like sometime mm. where you're not really emotionally caught up in the midst of this pattern where you can talk about it at this meta level. Um, I was reading an example about um, a man and woman in a relationship together and they recognize like, oh, okay, we have this pattern. She's the pursuer. He's the withdrawer. And they like literally wrote out like, okay, so what happened? So like she walks up to me and then she says something and then I like turn away and then she, she follows me when I leave the room and then I go out into the garage and I work on my car for a couple hours. Um, and doing that was really helpful because then the next time they were in a fight for him, it was like the trigger for, for remembering, oh my God, this is what's happening. This is the pattern was he realized like the minute that his hand touched like the knob to the garage door, then, then he was like, oh, that's happening right now. I'm totally like mm. following the script. I'm totally uh. like following the choreography, <laughs> you know? And then he yeah. was aware to be like, okay, I can step back and I cannot withdraw the same way that I have. And just anything that you can do to give yourself those cues mm. is super, super mega helpful in order to be able to kind of break out of it in the moment or even be able to verbalize it in the moment to be able to say like, oh my goodness, we're in our pattern right now. What do we need to do? to, yeah. you know, to, to actually connect here. What do we need to do to get to the heart of the matter? Yeah, that's great. 
Um, so then another thing is to take a look at what are the needs underneath this, right? Which is something we love talking about on this show. It's like, what's really going on here, though? What's causing this? What's the... What's the, the vegan meat of the matter? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes. So this is especially helpful to do when you're not right in the middle of the argument, uh, to do this sometime later. It's quite challenging to do in the middle. Yeah. So some common things that come up is just needing to feel loved or needing to feel heard or needing to feel like my thoughts or feelings or opinions matter to you or uh, needing to feel secure. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, wanting to feel desired sexually. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of different things this could be. And this, this key part. And I think that um, in, in emotionally focused therapy, which is where, where this is talked about a lot. I think the big thing they're missing is radar. Um, and what I mean by that is I actually think that this pattern for me has happened a lot less in my relationships since doing radar. Nice. And essentially it's because it does exactly this step of like, it gives a time to talk about those underlying needs and how you feel about how they are or aren't getting met in a way where neither one's kind of getting ambushed by it. Neither one has to feel like I'm nagging you to do this. It's because we set aside this time in advance. We planned on it. We know we're going to have this time to do our radar where we get to talk about how, how loved do I feel? You know, how desired Mm. do I feel? What would I like more of? Um, And for me, that's, I think been a big part of breaking that cycle or, or at least, um, kind of every month getting like a little reset on it. Like maybe we'll start to fall in on it and then we have a radar and it's kind of like, you know, Oh, okay. We addressed that. We don't, we're not going to just keep cycling until we can't get out. Right. Right. And I think drilling down to the need, I think is so important because I think especially if you're getting into like weird, nothing fights, or, mm. or it's, it's like, you know, the, not the fights that you're having when there's like some kind of deep fundamental disagreement about how your relationship functions, but it's like a fight about the dishes or about the dog or about planning things that I think surprisingly the stuff that we argue about that's the most arbitrary and the most inane can have some of these really deep seated needs underneath it. Um, I ran into this and I'll, I'll use my relationship with Alex as another example. I don't want anyone to think that we fight all the time or anything, but (laughs) it's just the stuff that's coming to mind. Um, uh, We got into like a tiny little tiff around because he's, he's traveling to the States soon. um, And it, I was suggesting, I was like, oh, well, you have some time off work. Like maybe you could adjust, like kind of start adjusting your sleep schedule to deal with the jet lag. And he was like, no, no, whatever, I'll be fine. You know, I'll get sleep on the plane or whatever. And then I was like kind of annoyed by that. I didn't examine it, but I was like, no, really though, like I've done this flight a lot of times. I think you're going to be really messed up. Like I really think you should consider trying to do something. And he's like, yeah, but I don't know. You know, when I mess with my sleep schedule, it makes me cranky. I don't want to do that. Like, I think I'm going to be fine. And you kind of just like escalated in that way until I realized I was, huh, I've been reading about this pursuit and withdrawal pattern recently. Um, <laughs> like, wait. <laughs> yes. And I realized, and I was like, oh, what's the need here? Um, and I'm like, well, I don't think the need is just like, I need him to not be jet lagged. That'd be nice, <laughs> but that's not really the need. And I was like, oh, the reason why I'm kind of pursuing and like pushing this conversation is because I need to feel like my, he appreciates my care for him. And I need to feel like my opinions and my thoughts like matter. 
Mm-hmm. And I realized like he probably wasn't intending to make me feel dismissed, but that's kind of what happened. That's how I interpreted it. And so when I was like, oh, that's interesting that this like really kind of inane nothing conversation about like jet lag triggered something in me about like not feeling appreciated or not feeling seen or not feeling heard. And then when I realized that there were kind of two things that happened, one of them was like, oh, I think I can adjust what I actually am asking for from him in this situation. And also it became way less important to me to try to like be right or to win because I was like, oh, like this is such a like this. I've connected such a small thing to such a like a deep need, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of what it opened up for me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. something to think about next time you're having a weird inane <laughs> argument about yeah, arbitrary maybe, things. Maybe you can catch it. Yeah. You well, can try it's to very catch impressive them. that you were able to do that in the moment. I think something that happens in uh, non-monogamous relationships, too, is that people just want to feel special. I think this mm. is in any relationship, but sometimes in non-monogamy, uh, especially is just the need to feel like you're special, maybe in a way that other people are not. And I think that that can be a challenging thing to admit in a lot of relationships. Um, but something something to think about for sure and be aware of. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we really encourage you to, once you've drilled down and if you've been able to figure out what actually is the need here, you know, find ways to express the needs or the fears connected to those needs underneath what's going on. And what's especially important is also to not, not just putting in all the energy and effort into finding ways to express to your partner, but also really getting attuned for when your partner is expressing their vulnerability as well. And really taking care in those moments to avoid playing your role in the pursuit withdrawal pattern. And so, for instance, it's like maybe you and your partner can acknowledge, oh, we're in this pattern. We're, we're in this cycle. Let's kind of see if we can get out of it. Let's drill down and figure out what do we actually need here. And then if your partner opens up and starts to share your need it's especially important to make sure that you don't hop right back into your pattern, you know, because those are like the golden moments of like, oh, it's like the seal has broken, not to be super dramatic about it or anything. <laughs> but it's, it's like your partner's opened up and they're sharing this like tender, vulnerable part of them. And the most important thing you can do is receive that, even if it's something that still is upsetting or you disagree with or whatever, but just to receive that so you can start to build that sense of like, it is safe for us to connect to each other and it's safe for us to share with each other in this way. And over time, doing that is going to build a habit and eventually that's going to make it easier to not fall into this pattern every single time. Yeah. Well, what do y'all think? I think this is a great episode. Did we win Trivial Pursuit? Yeah. And thank you for uh, bringing it to our attention because, yeah, this is definitely like kind of a familiar trope, but um, not something that always we examine. So, well, appreciate well, it. Will the two of you play a little bit more with me? Uh, Oh, oh, all okay. right. If we go well, back, to, if we go back to your characters in the radio drama, how do you think oh. they could oh. express each other's needs oh, to boy. each other in this moment? Can you improvise? I think I can do that on the fly. Oh, see, I was thinking. I think I thought she meant like once we got to this point, but you're saying just a totally different dialogue. Hmm, yeah, I, let's I don't have know a better dialogue. Be better. Okay, a, a better let's, dialogue. let's do a better dialogue. Okay, can y'all, but, but can y'all we, hack it? But we still want to try to be true to what the characters are going for here. 
Yes. Yeah, but okay. like what they actually need in the moment. Okay. Hey, is it okay to talk about our relationship for a minute? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. <laughs> okay, done. That's it. We <laughs> no, we're going to fucking talk about it. Come on. Okay, okay, okay. Um, recently, I have been feeling kind of distant, and, and maybe that's all on me, but I would love it if we could find some ways that work for both of us um, to have more connection and just to feel like we're really having good quality time together. Huh. I haven't been feeling that lately, but that's really interesting to point out. Are there specific things that you think I can be doing to help out with your feeling that way? Um, I don't know. I guess I was hoping that we could kind of collaborate on things together. Like, I appreciate that we have this time right now where, you know, I'm playing uh, Bejeweled and you're reading your book. Um, but maybe we could... I don't know, come up with something that we do together first before we then go to our separate books or, or apps when we go to bed. I don't know, just as an example. Does that sound fun at all? Totally, yeah. I think that maybe we can try to figure out a way to like connect every night without our devices or without like a phone or a book or something and uh, maybe just spend time with each other like quietly without any of those distractions by ourselves. How does that sound? Like just sitting there staring at each other? I mean, I, I didn't I don't mean know, to like say we have to do that. Something like, I don't know, we could read a book together or we oh, could, you know, fun. watch a show together or cuddle or do something along those lines. Like, yeah, so that we're really like spending time with each other as opposed to getting distracted by other random crap. I know it may be cheesy, but the idea of reading a book together is actually really sweet. And I, and yeah. I really appreciate it. I hadn't even thought of that. I really appreciate that you came up with that. That's really cool. It could, and we don't have to read it for super long each night, but that could be fun. Maybe we could read. Yeah. I something. mean, I'm sorry that you've been feeling that way and thank you for bringing that to my attention. And I really want to change <laughs> how, how you see our relationship in this moment. Thank you for listening and engaging with me when I had something important to say. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> We kind of ended with a little PSA at yeah, the end I there. <laughs> I was going to say, I love that. And I love the two of you. It's a really boring soap opera, but but I love it. You're welcome. I absolutely well, love there it. There we are. We could produce a series of the most boring radio dramas ever well, okay, where there's so, no drama. So this is the interesting thing that I noticed as the observer, oh. as oh. the EFT therapist in training. Um, exactly. I'm well, like, that, yeah, we just did couples therapy. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, for that more successful version of the conversation, it required Emily to not withdraw. Emily had to consciously be like, oh, okay, yes, I will listen to what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And then when Emily expressed, I haven't really been feeling that way, but let's talk about it, that it required Jace to not be pursuing like, how could you not feel that way? How mm -hmm. could you not see that there's a problem? It's all these things. These are the problem. And instead we kind of moved to a place of like, let's just actually collaborate and figure out some actionable things and stop, collaborate and listen. Exactly. Yeah. That's what, that's what it all boils down to really. But maybe stop, listen and collaborate would be a more accurate mm -hmm. order. Mm -hmm. Vanilla that's ice. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> ice tea? Was it ice tea? Vanilla ice. Vanilla ice. You're confusing your ice people. Different, yeah. different ices. <laughs> different cool. ices. Yeah. 
Okay, well, listeners, we would love to hear from you. Which part of the pattern do you tend to fall into? Or do you switch with particular topics? Or if you have multiple partners, do you switch in different relationships? Or do you want to write some new radio dramas for us to act (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shout. Do you want us to turn into a very boring soap opera podcast? (laughs) Because be careful what you wish for. Anyway, the best place to share... Don't give Jason any more ideas. (laughs) Please. Please, God. The best place to share your thoughts and opinions with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and you can join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 678-MULTI-05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Jace Lindgren, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistant is Nicole Samra. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.